I almost didn't make a video this week because I've been playing Tunic and it is too damn good. I can't get enough. But hey, we have Game Pass on Steam Deck, new verified games, and we find out what the heck the 15 FPS limiter is good for. Let's get into it. What's good deck gang? Let's kick it off with Tunic. I'm not done yet, but this game is an early game of the year contender for me. If I had to give you the TLDR, I'd say that it's Legend of Zelda meets Fez meets Dark Souls. I was pleasantly surprised by the challenging combat. Thankfully, the cost of death is balanced well. You'll lose a few coins that you can potentially reclaim in the vein of souls, but if you were bold enough to stray too far from a checkpoint, you'll have to deal with getting back to that spot or opt to forgo that small purse permanently in favor of treading another path. Naturally, it performs well on deck and also got verified just a few days after its release. Most of the time I was playing, I chose to go to 540p and lock the frame rate to 30 in order to maximize battery life. With these specs, I was able to stay around 10 to 12 watts of total system power and generally save 25% of my battery. That could take me from just shy of 3 hours to just over 4. Now, I would only tentatively recommend this. There are boss fights where you'll probably want to make sure you're getting the full 60 frames per second as there are somewhat tight windows for the iframes on your character's dodge. Also, I'd like to point out that I felt spikes in input delay during some of those same boss fights. When I turned the performance overlay back on, I did see some spikes in frame time. I also don't want to undersell how good the game looks by implying that it's obvious that the game would run well on deck. The bounce lighting effects are stunning, and the game does take some horsepower to run well. I tried running it while docked in desktop mode, and even at 1600 by 900 you're best off with the 30fps lock. Still, if I had more time, I would have tested just that with FSR on to bump the resolution up even higher. All in all, the Steam Deck is a perfect console for this game, and it's kind of stunning that playing this on a PC is the only way to play it portably. Unless you count Game Pass. Tunic is also in cloud streaming via Xbox Game Pass, which brings us to the next topic. Valve and Microsoft worked together to get xCloud working on the Steam Deck. The instructions initially had a note about disabling read-only mode on the OS, but thankfully that's not necessary and they've since removed that step. I'll leave a link to the Reddit post with the instructions, but the process is pretty easy. First, you grab the Microsoft Edge beta from the Discover app. In order to add Edge to Steam, they do something a little different. You have to navigate to it from the application launcher and then right-click Add to Steam. It seems this adds some additional launch options. Then you run a command in the console to allow this app access to a particular directory. This is what gives Edge access to the control pad. Optionally, you can append some more commands to the launch options. One of those is kiosk mode, but I found it easier to keep the kiosk mode removed. That allowed me to navigate the browser better if I ever clicked the wayward link and ended up somewhere I didn't want to be. I played a few games on Game Pass and overall it felt much more responsive than I expected. I'll continue to prefer native, after all I decided to buy Tunic rather than play it on xCloud, but the option is awesome to have and if you're new, you'll be able to try it out for a buck. So thanks to Valve and Microsoft for making this happen. Well, sort of. The truth is that while Microsoft may have made some changes on the server side of xCloud, this announcement is due in large part to the Microsoft Edge Flatpak which is actually not maintained by Microsoft, but instead is maintained by a very active free and open source contributor who goes by the name of the evil skeleton. Skelly, as they're also known, wrote a blog post about not being credited. I believe this accentuates the point that Microsoft and others should be crediting free and open source contributors where applicable. 
It's been a while since I did a news video, so I wanted to cover some of the major updates since launch. Valve has added an FPS-only view to the performance overlay. Functionally, this matches the FPS view that you can get in the traditional desktop Steam client by providing just the current FPS and nothing more. They also have added two more options to the FPS limiter. At launch, we had 30 and 60, but now we also have 15 and unlimited. The use of Unlimited is a little more obvious, it's especially helpful when playing an esports game while docked and receiving power for example. But I've seen a lot of people wonder what the 15 FPS limiter could be used for. I tried it on Tunic for fun, but yeah, that's definitely not the intended style of game for this. More appropriately, there are a few genres that this would work for. For example, visual novels. Logic puzzlers, dungeon crawlers, turn based strategy. Card Battlers, and traditional roguelikes. Basically, this works for anything turn-based. On the Proton side, there haven't been any major Proton updates as of late, but Proton GE did just get an update that includes support for Neo 2 and Persona 5 Strikers videos. Okay, guess what segment I'm bringing back today? You guessed it, add these to your wishlist. These are hidden gems that you may not have considered. This week I have 10 games that got verified or playable in the last week. First up is Animutationum. Like Tunic, it just got a release this month and was verified shortly thereafter. I played the demo of this and it really gave me Fear Effect vibes, which pleased me greatly. User reviews seem to be soured a bit on the mid to late game, but this game still seems worth a look. Anyway, as long as the girl has awakened, no one can stop our plan. The King of Fighters 15 got a playable rating because it does require manually invoking the on-screen keyboard. That's not bad, and this fighter is getting a lot of praise for its versatility and the ability for player expression. Systems deliver a new level of speed and excitement! Shatter Strike defends against and counters Dodonpachi Resurrection is the fifth entry in the cult classic Donpachi Vertimal Schmutz series. I got a chance to test this and I gotta say I'm really impressed by how the development team handled the controls on deck. This game supports Tate mode which is a nice fit for the Steam Deck. I assumed I was going to have to make custom controls in the Steam Input Configurator, but to my surprise the D-pad and left analog stick just adapted to the orientation. There's a setting in game to link the controls to the orientation of the screen, so you can enable and disable this. That would be useful for using an external controller, for example. Described by its creator as Journey meets Persona, Haven is an RPG adventure with a beautifully told story of a romance between two lovers on a fairly desolate planet. I haven't had a chance to pick this one up, but it's high on my wishlist considering it's by the creators of Fury. Not to mention, it just received a couples update, where you can choose the genders of the two lovers. 
Love stories always end badly. Ours doesn't. No, not ours. Mini Metro is a casual strategy title originally released by Dinosaur Polo Club in 2015. The premise of abstractly building railways to satisfy transit travelers is simple, but the gameplay pulls you in and encourages you to play just one more. It was developed with a mouse or touch-based input in mind, but the deck controls adapt extremely well. The right analog stick, right trackpad, and gyro all emulate the mouse-based input by default. If you've never heard of this, it may not seem like much, but I promise that many, many hours have been lost to this casual strategy puzzler. Two D and Top D is a hybrid of overhead Sokoban and side-scrolling platformer. The game has you switching between members of the titular pair to swap perspectives in order to get both to the exit. From the outset, the puzzles are really clever. You can use one character to help find a path for the other, all the while hoping not to lock yourself out of the exit altogether. But even if you do, levels are short and you can map a quick restart button. Reventure is a parody of the Legend of Zelda series, and specifically, it has the side-scrolling perspective of Zelda 2: The Adventure of Link. The goal in this game is to find all of the unique ways to lose. This means you'll have to solve puzzles that help you progress further, just so that you can lose later in your run in an area that you've never explored before. I think this is a really clever mechanic, and Reventure explores it quite well. I don't yet own Owl's Legacy, but I'm a big fan of the original entry, Owl's Awakening, which plays a lot like a Metroidvania, stuff like Wonder Boy. While that game had an NES aesthetic, Owl's Legacy makes the jump to a 16-bit style. I love when game developers all seem to have similar ideas at similar times. Alba, a wildlife adventure is one of the few recent photography games that seem at least partially inspired by Pokemon Snap. If you like short but novel adventures like a short hike, you should snap this up. The ramp plays more like a skating toy than what most of us have come to call a game. There's a three minute tutorial and then you're left to your own devices with four skate parks that you can use as a sandbox to try new things. It takes a moment to get acclimated to the controls, but it can be kind of meditative to fire this up for a few minutes and just skate. So that's going to do it for this week's Steam Deck news. I want to shout out my patrons who are awesome and help me make these videos. If you're interested in supporting me, consider heading over to my Patreon page. And until next time, Deck Gang out. Goodbye!